My name is Joe Crummy, one of the elders here at the Meeting Place Church, and uh, it's great to have you here with us. I know we have some guests here with us, and happy Easter. And if you were at the Crummy household this morning, we already had our sunrise service <laughs> very early, so I'll try, not, I'll try to keep focused. It was a late night and an early uh, morning, and we had fun, and it's great that you've been able to celebrate with us uh, this morning. And... What we want to do is we want to take a little bit of time to dig into God's Word and to kind of help explain, Jody read out that uh, passage about how really this good news of Easter and of the Gospel about Jesus Christ, really, in some ways, it's foolishness. And we want to explain a bit more what this foolishness is and that it's good news for us at Easter. And if you're like me, uh, which hopefully not too many of you are, Got up this morning, first thing I thought, hey, it's eight months till Christmas Eve. Isn't that, isn't that great? <laughs> Christmas is coming. Woohoo! But what a great connection between Christmas Eve. So four months ago, we were celebrating Christmas Eve. We are celebrating the birth of Jesus. Here we are four months later, April 24th, 2011. We get to celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen. And we want to connect some dots between those two events. And we want to talk about sort of uh, these three uh, P's go in a pod here, three P's in a pod, purpose, pain, and pleasure. And so we're going to take a look at these things, and we're going to continue from the book of Acts. So we've been doing a series from the book of Acts, which is found in the New Testament, which is really after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are all about Jesus here on earth. The story about Jesus continues, but as we've been finding out, the story continues now through his followers. God, Jesus has died, resurrected, Ascend it back into heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit. His followers now are, sort of, are the body of Christ here on earth. And Jesus continues his ministry through his people. And that's what we've been taking a look at. And we're going to pick it up today. And this is a great story because it's one of those stories that it's everyday life, everyday people, but something dramatic happens because Jesus is alive. So that's where we pick up the story. And it says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. So I think you could probably get a picture in your mind of that. We have it every day in our streets, people begging for money for whatever reasons. That's the scenario that we see. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. So he's asking them for money. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. What's going to happen? And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Woo! A miracle. You guys have never seen a miracle before, have you? <laughs> Just making sure you're awake. Folks, this is a miracle. How many times we say, hey, man, if I saw somebody who was healed and God raised them up and they were, I would believe. Folks, that's a miracle. He's walking and leaping and praising God. That should get our attention. 
And all the people saw him walking and praising God. No kidding. And recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while he clung, I love that. It's a double miracle, right? He gets healed. Then he can walk and leap and praise. And then I think reality sets in a little bit like Peter walking on the water. Then he clung (laughs) to Peter and John. Maybe he's getting his legs underneath him. And all the people utterly astounded. What a great phrase. Ran together to them in the portico called Solomon. So a big temple area where they gathered. And when Peter saw, and when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. So this is going back to this Easter story. But you denied the holy and righteous one, referring to Jesus, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. In his name, by faith in his name, it's Jesus, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health and the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. What an incredible story. Because Jesus is alive. Okay, so let's pray. Let's see how this applies to our lives today. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're alive today. We thank you that even though it's foolishness, God, that this gospel, that you would die, be resurrected, how that affects everyday common life, God. We pray now by your Holy Spirit, would you come and teach us? Would you come and reveal Jesus? Would you come and reveal your purposes and your plans? Would you help me now, I pray, in Jesus' name. Give us ears to hear and hearts that are open. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. First thing we want to take a look at, just from everyday life, is this. And so I'm kind of launching out from the story that affects us here today. Everyday life, folks. Everyday life. Somebody begging for money. They're on their way to a meeting. Everyday common occurrence. But yet something miraculous takes place. And we can launch out from here to see that, you know what, there's two different perspectives on everyday life. There's our human perspective, which we'll take a look at, and then there's God's perspective. So let's take a look quickly at the human perspective. The human perspective of this in everyday life, and some of us spend more time thinking about these things than others. But in everyday life, and you think about this guy who was lame from birth. So here he is. We don't quite know how old he is, but a lot of people knew who he was because they recognized him. So he must have been around this temple gate a long time begging for money. And if you're this poor guy, you must be thinking, what is life all about? You've got to be asking some serious questions like, this guy is probably just about survival. And at some point along the way, some of us are in survival mode. Okay? It's just like, I just want to get some food, some clothing, some shelter, some peace and quiet. I just want to survive. And that doesn't matter what your demographic is for rich or poor, for male or female, for what your background is. Okay? You can be very wealthy and you can still be in survival mode. 
And you've got to ask the question, what am I here for? What's the purpose of life? Some of us answer it by not just surviving, but we go for success. So the purpose of life is this, is to be successful, whatever that might look like. To be successful in life, to have fame, riches, power, okay, possessions, money, all those different things. Wondering, what is life all about? Is it to be successful? Is there a God? That's another question. Big question. Those are big question ones. Is there a God? Are there gods? Is there an afterlife? Is there anything after this life on earth? What on earth am I here for? What's the purpose of life? Big questions. And that's the human perspective we're asking. So that's one of the points. What's the purpose of it? Another big one that we have to deal with is pain. Okay? I'm sure everyone here today has experienced some sort of pain in your life. could be physical, like this guy. could be emotional, mental. And these are the questions that we, whether we think about it or not, we're doing all the time. Pain, first of all, how do I avoid it? Somebody give me a heads up. If you know pain's coming my way, I'm going to try to avoid it. We don't like pain. How do we try to deal with pain? How do we escape it? Big questions. Purpose. What's my purpose in life? What on earth am I here for? Another one that gets thrown in. Pain. How do we, how do we deal with this? Why is there pain in the world? If there is a God, here's the big question. Why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow so much pain in the world? God, if you're a good God, why is there so much pain and loss and hurt in the world? Big questions from a human perspective. The other one we ask about is this. Pleasure. So we talk about pain, but we also talk about pleasure. First of all, how do I get it? How do I find it? If I get it, how do I keep it? And how do I increase it? So not only do we not want to deal with pain, but there's something within us that seeks pleasure. And again, that can come in all kinds of different forms. That can come in relationships. That can come in possessions. That can come in getting pats on the back. All kinds of different things. But some big questions that we have to answer from a human perspective. Every one of us, no matter who we are, our backgrounds, our nationality, where we come from, at some point in life, you've got to ask some of these big questions. What is my purpose? What am I here for? How do I deal with pain? We can't escape it. We're going to go through it. Physical, mental, emotional, people lost from our lives, how do we deal with pain? How do we escape from pain? How do we deal with it? And we've got to talk about the pleasure question. Okay? Does pleasure rule my life? Does seeking pleasure rule my life? Do we go the other way? If I avoid any pleasure, then I'll never have a letdown. But it's still controlling our life. These are the things from a human perspective that, folks, we have to realize that when we talk about Easter, Easter speaks into all of these things. So two perspectives just on what we read. We have the human perspective. The poor guy there begging for money. Maybe time on his hands to think about, why am I here? Why me? Why did this happen to me? The pain. Other people are richer. Other people are healthy. Why me? And pleasure. And if I could just get a little bit more money, maybe I could do this. If I could just be a little bit healthier... I could do this. If I could just get connected to these people, then I'll be better off. So that's the human perspective. But we also have to take a look at, and this is the harder one, 
God's perspective. What is God's perspective compared to our human perspective? Peter said this when they were wondering what in the world was going on. He said, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? He says, by our own power, do you think that we've made him walk? That's what Peter says. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus. That's a whole different perspective starting out. He starts with God. And if we look at purpose, and this is really hard for us because we're stuck in such a human perspective where purpose, pain, and pleasure are the things that we think about from our point of view. But actually, God's point of view is this. And the Bible from beginning to end is this. It's all about God's glory. Now that's a radical shift from me, myself, and I. It's all about God's glory. What do we mean by God's glory? God defines his glory, his holiness, his otherness, really by God's presence and God's will. When Moses in the Old Testament asked, he wanted to see God's glory. He says, God, I want to see you. God responded to him by saying this. Hey, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. Okay, so if you see me, you'll die. That's how incredible God is. But he also said this. He talked about his presence. I will go before you. I will walk before you. Talk about his presence with his people. He also talked about God's will. Jesus, God said, Yahweh said, I'll have mercy upon whom I'll have mercy. I'll have compassion whom I have compassion. It's all about God's glory, his presence, if you can get your head wrapped around that, the presence of Almighty God, and it's about his will, his purposes and his plans. That's what is God's perspective. And God's perspective is this. God is perfect. God is perfect in his holiness. He's other than us. He's our creator. God's perfect in relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect relationship, perfect loving one another, perfect relating to one another, perfect friendship. They're perfect, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in community. They're perfect in family. They're perfect in work. The Father initiates it, the Son fulfills it, the Spirit applies it. It's about God. Now, for some of us, it's a hard thing to think of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, and Jesus, because we're so wrapped up in the human perspective. But Joe, I want to talk about what's my purpose? How do I deal with pain? What about pleasure? What do you mean you're talking about God and the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God's glory? That's all religious stuff. I want real life. Well, we're getting there. This is the starting point. God existed before us. God existed in perfect relationship, perfect community, perfect family, perfect workplace. We start with God. What's his purpose? His purpose in creating us as humans was to actually reflect him. Genesis 1, Genesis 2. God made man, male and female, in his image. Guess what? Our purpose is to reflect God. Now we're starting to warm up a little bit. Some of you are starting to nod your heads. You're starting to connect the dots a little bit. We're made in God's image. Male and female. We're created equal. We're made to reflect 
God's glory. We're made to reflect God's image. We're made to honor God. And that gets its way worked out in relationships, community, family, work. So the Bible's all about how we in our relationships should reflect the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible's all about how we in our community life should reflect the Trinity. In our family life should reflect the Trinity. In our workplaces, we should reflect the Trinity. And this is where pain comes in. As John Milton put it, Many, many years ago, somewhere in the mid-1600s, a great phrase, the poet John Milton, Paradise Lost, is that sin entered the world and us being made in the image of God got twisted. It got damaged. It's like a virus infected us. And it changes everything. It changes our relationship with God and each other. It changes our community. It changes family life. It changes our workplace. And we see when sin entered the world, when disobeyed God, it affected everything. Before we worshipped the Lord God and Him alone, now we worship idols. We can worship purpose. We can worship pain. We can worship pleasure. There's a separation between us and God. There's death, both physical death, these bodies die, and the pain that goes along with that. But greater, there's a spiritual death. There's going to be a separation. There's a separation here on earth and for eternity. And we lose God's glory being our purpose in life. And all of a sudden, it becomes me, myself, and I. We become self-centered. We become independent. I don't need God. And our life is really wrapped up in worshiping other things that will help us have purpose in life, that will help us escape from pain, and that will help our pleasure outdo our pain. That's the paradise lost, is that we've lost God's perspective. We've lost this, and this is the heart of the issue. We've lost that, and for most of us, this is really hard to believe, that the greatest pleasure on planet Earth is this. It's actually knowing God. Now that's, that's a radical statement. Even for us as Christians, we find that hard sometimes to actually believe. Because <laughs> sometimes it's not our experience. But you think about it. If God, as the Bible says, is good, there is no greater good than God. If God is love, there's no greater love than God. He is love. If God is compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love, abounding in love, if God is just, and we go through all the attributes, all the character of God, we see that in Jesus. He said, if you see me, you see the Father. And we love looking at Jesus. Even most non-Christians say, I like Jesus. Okay? Don't, maybe don't like the church, but I like Jesus. Or at least most of what he says and does. then who is there that we should be loving and worshiping and wanting to know more than God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? But we've been sold the lie that Satan sold Adam and Eve. God's holding out on you. There's something better than God. And as we said four months ago, if you were here for Christmas Eve, 
John Piper has a great quote of what sin is. The root of sin is this. Sin is what we do when we don't think God is enough. Think about that. Sin is what we do when God isn't enough. That's the heart issue. So God's perspective is this. It's all about his glory. No other gods before him. God is God. Paradise lost. The pain God suffers. Okay? When he sees his children disobeying him. I'm an earthly dad. I know the pain it is when you see your kids not making good decisions. When you see the pain that's caused by them choosing wrong. The pain when they don't listen to you because you know what's better for them. You know the pain that comes with that. And you're like, oh, if you would just listen to me, I have your best interests. I know so much more. If you would just listen, you'd be so much better off. You'd actually be better off than what you're even looking for. Instead of taking the shortcut, you'd be better off if you just listened to me as your father. That's the heart cry of God, our father. And God's saying, the greatest thing on planet Earth is this, is that you get to know me. The greatest thing, becoming a Christian, is that you're saved, but you're not just saved. Now you get to know me, and it's a lifelong thing. Actually, you should grow as a Christian to say, I'm getting to know more of God. It's not the end destination. It's the beginning that I get to worship God. We get to, like we did here this morning, worship God with our hearts. We get to shout out to God. We raise our voices. We get to be emotional about God because he's worthy of our praise. We've got the human perspective. We've got God's perspective. And really what we need is our human perspective needs to become more of God's perspective. And therefore, we need a transformed perspective. That we understand our purpose in life is this. It is about relationship. It's about relationship with our creator. It's about relationship with his creation. It's about relationship. How? Sorry. There we go. Well, God did his part. That's why we celebrate Easter. God did his part. Who alone can rescue? Who alone can save? Can we save ourselves? Can we save ourselves so that we get purpose in life? Can we save ourselves from the pain of life? Can we save ourselves from being controlled by the pleasures of life? Can we save ourselves to be made back into God's image? So that we're restored with God. God did his part. We need it to be rescued. We celebrate at Christmas. Christmas Eve, what did we talk about? We need a savior. We need one who was sent. We need a superhero. That's how our world is built. We need someone to come and to save the day. And Jesus did that. He was sent from heaven, God's only son. Pure, born of a virgin. Broke that sin line. Born of the Holy Spirit and Mary. Son of God, son of man. Lived a perfect life. The only one to ever live a perfect life. Obeyed his father. Ministered for three years. Showed the world in his teaching, his character, everything. What our father's like in heaven. We want to know what God's like. We look to Jesus. Jesus reveals 
the Father. Hallelujah. You can never get tired of reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over again. Every time it's just like, wow, Jesus, how quickly I forget what our Father in heaven is like. But Jesus reveals God's only Son. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Joel prayed it out in his prayer. Sin, there's a penalty to be paid. Somebody has to pay. God is just. Okay, I want my children to be restored to me, but I can't overlook their wrongdoing because he's a just God. But he's merciful. So the question isn't how... The question isn't, because our human question is this, how could a good God allow suffering? Folks, the question we should be asking is this. How can a good God ever have a relationship with us? That's really the question. How can a good and loving God actually have a relationship with us? That is the ultimate question. And he sent a substitute. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, And ironically, Jesus dealt with the pain issue. This is the great thing about Christianity. It's so real. Is Jesus, as we read in Isaiah 53, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He bore our iniquity. He bore our transgression. He bore our pain. He suffered and died on a cross. Naked, ashamed, innocent, condemned as one guilty. Jesus dealt with the pain issue. He took our pain. He is our substitute. He is our propitiation, as Joel said. He's our payment, and God is satisfied. Legally, the debt is paid. And the great news is, as we celebrate on Easter, he conquered sin and death. He rose again. God's power conquered sin, the power of sin, the penalty of sin, the pollution of sin, the partition of sin. He conquered it and Jesus rose from the grave. I love it. We're just reading it this whole week. Hilarious. The ones going to the tomb and seeing the angel. He's not here. He's risen. Just as he said. Can you imagine? I mean, I think there'd be some sarcasm in there. Hello, people. Jesus, three years. I'm going to die. This is going to happen. I must suffer. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to see you soon. Dead on the cross, shattered. I can imagine the angel. Okay, we were talking last night. You know, how did the stone get rolled away? Was it an earthquake? Did the angel do it? Was it a combination of both? The angel there, and they come running to the tomb. And the angel's saying, they're saying, where is he? The angel, he's not here. He is risen. Just as he said. I think it would be hilarious. I, I wonder if there was some sarcasm in there. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? He rose again. Hallelujah. Our great substitute. Not only did he die in our place, but God by his power raised him from the dead. What's our part? God did his part. That's God's perspective. Our part is this. Repentance. Peter said, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Our part is this. We repent. Repentance, 180 degree turn, but repentance more is our mind that we're choosing to believe God's truth. Repentance is this. We line up with God's truth. That's what repentance is. Whatever I might have thought before, might have thought this, this 
sort of religion was the way, I repent from it. I change my mind. Now I know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I thought maybe my way was best. I realize now God's way. This was my perspective. This is God's perspective. Repentance is this. I change my thinking, which affects everything. Changes my will. Changes my purpose. It changes how I view everything. That's repentance. We believe God at his word. This morning, folks, we have an opportunity to believe God at his word. To believe that Jesus is the Christ. To believe that Jesus is our substitute. To believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. That's God's truth. Now do we line up with it? Do we submit ourselves to God's truth? Do we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior? It's a gift. We get the substitute as a gift. And then we go on following. It's not just a one, in a sense, it's a one-time stake in the ground on following Jesus Christ, but it's an everyday thing. It affects everything. It affects how we seek pleasure. Because now, the truth is, I'm going to be satisfied in God. I'm going to be satisfied in God. I might be tempted to do this. I know that's a counterfeit. might give me momentary pleasure long term. God's way is right. I'm going to be satisfied in God. I'm going to have a restored relationship. I get to call God Abba, Father. I'm a child. I'm a son of God. That affects every part of my life. That affects my purpose. That affects how I view pain. That affects how I view pleasure. Because in the right order, we realize Jesus allows us, even in pain, to still worship God and to know that Jesus is still there with us as we walk through pain. We realize that actually pleasure comes from God. Isn't that incredible? Pleasure comes from God. And in the right boundaries, we can enjoy pleasure. Because it's from God. And God is good. It's only Satan who wants to rob, kill, and destroy and distort everything. A restored relationship with God changes my perspective on everything in my life. I get to receive forgiveness of sins. I get to be forgiven before God. All the wrongs that were done, that I've done wrong, have been forgiven. And Joel said it in his prayer, Jesus is also our expiation. He also cleanses us. So the wrongs that were done to us can also be healed. Because Jesus died on the cross for everything we've done wrong, but he also died on the cross for all the wrongs done to us. And as we're forgiven, we can then forgive. And we can be healed. So all the things, terrible things that have been done to us, not only are we forgiven, but we can be cleansed, we can be healed from those, and we can forgive others. It affects every part of our lives. That we can receive joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. And no matter what I'm going through, Paul can say this. Okay, I've experienced good times, bad times. I can get through it all because I'm in Christ. And he says things like this. Paul, who was beaten up, almost murdered over and over again. These light and momentary troubles are nothing compared to what's coming. To have an eternity with Jesus in heaven. It affects everything. Folks here this morning, April 24th, eight months till Christmas. 2011, 
everyday life, okay, every one of us and some part of us is lame, okay? We've been hurt somehow, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. In some ways, we're all beggars. We're calling out for help. What's my purpose in life? I've got to deal with this pain. I want more pleasure. And we think, how did something that happened 2,000 years ago affect me today? Just as this beggar was looking at Peter and John saying, show me the money, give me something. And Peter and John, silver or gold I don't have. Okay? So I can't help you with purpose or your pain or pleasure by giving you money. But what I give you is Jesus Christ. And folks, this morning, what we give to you is Jesus Christ. To affect your purpose in life, to affect the pain you might be going through, to affect seeking pleasure, the answer is this, Jesus Christ. He is our purpose. Jesus Christ bore the pain. Jesus Christ allows us to know God, which is the greatest pleasure both now and for eternity. And so as we are worshiping and saying, who you alone can rescue, you alone can save. That's what we're singing about. That's what we're saying. Jesus, you're stronger than sin and death. That's what we're talking about. We're saying, holy are you, Lord, God Almighty. That's what we're singing about. That's God's perspective. When we're singing these songs, that's responding in worship, saying, I repent from these things, and I now choose truth in you. And it affects every aspect of your day. When you understand that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, and we talk about worshiping God, okay, worship is this. It's adoration and devotion. Adoration is, God, I love you. Okay, so it's not just a stoic, we obey God, he's my master. It's like, God, I love you. Because you're love, and you first loved us. It's also devotion. It affects my priorities. It affects what I put my time and energy into. It affects how I parent. It affects how I spend money. It affects what I watch on TV. It affects every aspect of life. That's what it is to be a disciple of Christ. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And from that point on, I want God's perspective on life. So Easter time, and we're going to share in communion here a bit. I'll get the worship team to come again. Communion is this. We get to remember what Jesus has done for us. We get to remember the things that Jesus taught us. We get to remember that Jesus is coming again. So what we're going to do, we're going to take some more time. The guys are going to lead us in a couple more worship songs that we get an opportunity to respond to what we've just heard in this good news. We get to share communion together as we remember Jesus' sacrifice We remember Jesus' resurrection. We remember that Jesus is coming again. And as we sing these songs, we get to reflect. We get to take stock. We get to respond and say, where am I at with my perspective? Am I looking at from just a human perspective? Do I see God's perspective? Even this morning, you can have a transformed perspective as you meet and follow Jesus Christ. So I'm going to get John...
and the team to lead us through, I think, two songs you have, John, and then we'll share in communion together. So if you're able, let's stand together. Let me just lead us in a prayer, and then we get to respond as we sing these songs together. Father in heaven, we want to thank you today. We thank you that Jesus is alive. We thank you, God, that you haven't left us as orphans. God, that you've made a way through your son that we can have a relationship with you. God, that we can understand what our purpose in life is, God. It's to know you, to glorify you, to worship you. God, that we know... Jesus, that you are a man familiar with sorrow, familiar with suffering, that you help us in our pain. God, we know, God, that pleasure comes from you. God, that we can have pleasure in knowing you. God, that we can have pleasure in obeying you. God, that we know that you are for us and not against us. And God, I pray now as we worship you, God, by your spirit, would you come, Lord, for those who don't know you. Bring revelation, bring understanding, bring illumination of these great truths, that no longer would it be foolishness, but it would be the power of God for salvation. I ask now in Jesus' name, amen.